Hello and welcome to Terrace Memoirs and just before we get into my absolutely brilliant chat with Hannah Clinch and Chris Kyle, uh, Swindon Town fans, sort of supporters trust and supporters club members and board members, um, I just wanted to uh, just give a little apology um, for the uh, the extent of the background noise in the um, in the in the recording. Um, by way of explanation, uh, we we met in person at the Plough in Wombra, which is a lovely, lovely hostelry, and absolutely no complaints with uh, with the pub whatsoever. Um, and we met on a Monday evening, and uh, silly old me thinking that uh, it was going to be a little bit quiet. Um, certainly not empty, of course, but not not quiet. But no, uh, as it turned out, the place was actually quite full. Um, which wasn't a problem, of course. It certainly adds to the atmosphere in the um, in the background. But just just for your uh, your awareness, it does get quite noisy, um, and hopefully um, that doesn't spoil your enjoyment of the podcast. Uh, I have listened to it all, and uh, certainly everything, uh, all the conversation can be can be heard really quite well. It's just the background noise that's the um, that's a little bit of an issue. Um, but as I say, hopefully it doesn't spoil your your enjoyment. And um, yeah, well, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Terrace Memoirs, the latest episode where we delve into the lives, in this instance, of two football supporters. Now, moving on from AFC Wimbledon, um, which of course was the last episode, and the issues that they've experienced over 20 years ago, we're going to about 20 days ago this time round. Um, and the case of Swindon Town, and uh, this evening I'm delighted to be joined by Chris and oh, I've got Hannah, Hannah Clinch. Now, unbeknown to me, this is a little bit of a bit of a, that's a funny one. This unbeknown to me when I first contacted the Supporters Trust at Swindon, um, I didn't realise that I'd actually be having a little bit of a family. Um, not a family get-together as such, but um, anybody who's listened to all of my episodes will have heard um, Val Clinch uh, and the, uh, the, the, her experiences of, um, of football, working within football at Shrivenham. And Hannah Clinch is Val's niece. Um, so yes, there's a family connection there tonight. And uh, Chris, no family connection with you? No. Nothing at all. No, nothing at all. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, but yes, we are, we are here with two Swindon Town fans tonight. Um, if you don't know me by now, I'm Dave Harris. I'm a Reading fan of 30, 32 years, season ticket holder of 22. Um, and yes, I have had all of my jabs. Um, I know exactly what re- all my Reading followers are going to be thinking, what on earth are you doing? But hey, this is a podcast for all football clubs and I do have to follow I not follow but I do have to include Swindon in that don't I really yes so. you do <laughs> <laughs> so um, I mean let's get into it then the have the issues passed with new owners it's still very early days um, it's only been from the pen was uh, well the paper was signed on the 21st of July which just happened to be my birthday so I said it was a very good birthday present Um, and it's been a bit of a whirlwind since then Um, we've got our first home game on Saturday and we've still got bits of stumbling blocks like season ticket sales are not online yet so people living away haven't had that chance and bits and pieces like that but with the short amount of time everybody has done wonders in getting where to where we are now 
be it new shirts out printed with new sponsor um, and new players in which are most important than shirts I suppose um, so yeah so no it's it's still got a way to go but we're making it we're getting there in um, my eyes I mean, you, you can't ignore the result on, on Saturday Hannah can you um, and that's is looking very positive all of a sudden from an absolute mess at the end of June. It is, yeah. Considering a couple of weeks ago we didn't know if we'd have a club, we didn't know if we'd be able to field a team, uh, we didn't even have enough professional players to field a team um, to where we are now. And I'd like to say a surprise result. Uh, I think we're going to face tougher opponents this season than Scunthorpe, no disrespect to them at all. But I know they're facing their own issues off, off the pitch as well, um, so hopefully they will get sorted soon. Um, but no, it was a great day out at Scunthorpe. Um, did make the trip up um, and it was great to see some of those new faces and actually it surprised me how well they gelled together in such a short space of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah because uh, if anybody's actually been paying attention to any, any of the, the goings on in League 2 even the players that you were signing were ending up going within a couple of days of their contract starting weren't they and I'm thinking explicitly there of Pierre Sweeney um, and of course your manager as well who left without even taking charge of a game um, so yeah it was all a bit of a mess and if you drive around Swindon um, particularly along the A419 the A420 there are signs and banners up all over the place still with, um, uh, with well, uh, decrying the woes of Lee Power's ownership um, but he's now out of the club completely isn't he Yes, yeah. Um, don't think it's unpleasant for most Swindon fans. Um, it's been a tough few years for all at the club. Um, and I think we're just looking forward to new ownership regime, no, new players, new staff, complete clear out from top to bottom. So um, we're looking ahead now. That League Two Championship two, year, two years ago, when Owen Doyle scored in every single game almost, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. um, that was under Richie Wellens and Noel Hunt, wasn't it? Yep. Get the Noel Hunt link in there, got to get that. <laughs> um, did that kind of paper over cracks? Because the League One season was not great at all. Well, clearly it ended in relegation, so. No, it, I think it absolutely did. Um, it was a great season. You can't take that away from Richie Noel, the players of that era. Um, it was a very, very good season. Um, but it did put a plaster over some of the issues that were being seen off the field um, that started to materialise a year later over the summer um, and subsequently affected our campaign last year. Mm -hmm. yeah. We'll get into those details a little bit later, but what are the general thoughts, Chris, on the season going forward now? Obviously, it's been a very positive start, um, but as Anna mentioned, Scunthorpe, they're not the strongest opponents in League Two. I think if he'd asked anybody before Saturday, it would have been, and the management and the, well, not the management, certainly Clem Morfuni has said, as long as we don't get relegated, that'll be a positive for him. Now, after Saturday, and the way that the players had jowled so quickly, which is amazing because one of them had only come in the day before, but the way that they were celebrating together, the way that they were talking to each other um, right the way through the game, 
um, and you had the sort of the um, Anthony Grant, who's um, one of the most experienced now that we've got, was actually telling the players that had just come in, talking to them right the way through. I'm think the optimism is a lot better now and I think that and rightly or wrongly that the optimism has heightened. Um, I personally would like above the halfway line and that do with me. Um, but, uh, but time will tell. Of course, there is that extra position in, at the end of the season, isn't there? I say the extra position. The top three go up in League Two, of course, which opens up seventh place. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously one fewer relegation place. Yeah. So I'm not going to say it's easier to get into, into the playoff picture in League Two, because um, it's absolutely not. Um, but that extra position does just kind of it, it puts that different dynamic on the whole on the whole race, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's as you said. There's a heightened uh, the number, but I still think that getting in the playoffs is one side of it. But actually, competing in them is another. As we've known through history, it's not the best place to be. So uh, yeah, at least you've had a playoff win. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't have the pleasure of seeing that one. <laughs> the last one, not so successful. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, well, I say two playoff wins, but of course, well, this, well, all, this all goes back to, to Aussie does, Ardeal, some of these issues, doesn't it? I was going to say it? that. Um, I've been to both. I was involved in both the uh, the wins. Um, subsequently, one was taken away from us. But, yeah, I, uh, I can't... I'm just going just to touch on that, actually, seeing as we've just brought it up, because it does kind of relate to some of the things that we've been talking about, and that we will be talking about, of course. Um, but that was all to do with financial irregularity, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine a team or a club winning a playoff final, a league, a championship playoff final, as it was then, or as it was as it would be now, shall I yeah. say? Um, and then, however long later, three weeks, four weeks later, having that stripped, their promotion stripped from them, and was it? Two uh, weeks. It was Derby that went up. In Sunderland. Sunderland, of course. Yes. Yeah. Sunderland. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine that happening now? No, I don't think it would. I don't think it would be allowed to um, with the EFL and things like that now that the bodies are in there. Um, of course, they're, they're separate that, competitions as well, aren't they? The yeah. Premier League and the EFL. So. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Um, hopefully, we'll never have to find out. Um, but yeah, that was a, a very, very dark time then. Um, and it's the same as now. I think the difference between the two is we've got social media now. Mm-hmm. Um, in those days, it was all very um, word of mouth. We had rallies, we had demonstrations, but it was all word of mouth. Um, it wasn't as heightened with the, uh, the social media side. So, so what, just explain what the, the, the problems were. Um, there was a chairman um, called Brian Hillier who came in um, and some of the um, transactions that he made, um, I was young at the time so I don't know all the details, I'd like to say I was young at the time, um, so I don't know all the details that come through, um, but some of the transactions he made, some of the people that he had working for him, um, there was issues mm-hmm. um, and subsequently um, he was charged um, with the... So it wasn't just a little bit of kind of financial impropriety but all perfectly legal, it was, no, we're talking it was, brown envelopes and yes, things like that. Yeah, it, right. was, uh, it was 
hard stuff that he was uh, yeah. that he was uh, yeah. And of course that then, you know, obviously three years later Swindon managed to get into the same position and actually win the playoff final. Um, Leicester City, one of the best playoff finals ever, I yes. might add. Yeah. Um, no wedding links to that, you don't think of any wedding links? Um, yeah, <laughs> I can. Uh, did he play in that? I know Craig Maskell scored in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you signed Craig Maskell from us. Um, yeah, uh, no, no, there are only two wedding links I can think of. Um, but yeah, um, so you won the playoff final then three years later, but you know, that, that you went down two divisions, you say. Um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty harsh punishment, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it was just devastating to know that you're on that brink, um, and you had spent the day going through all the atmosphere because it was a it was a good game, um, but then coming home and celebrations and and everything, and then that was it, done, and we were worse off than we were previous um, and that took a lot out of the club um, it, it made people sort of think well okay what's the point if we've got people that can make that much difference to a club um, but build ourselves back up again um, and then as you say the next playoff final before that we had the appointment of Glenn Hoddle which lifted everybody up mm -hmm. um, and then onwards and upwards from that respect yeah so he did rather well for Swindon didn't he Mr he Hoddle did. he did and then mm -hmm. went and left us <laughs> left which, you with his with his uh, with his assistant he did who John Gorman lovely lovely man lovely man a bit too nice maybe um, but yeah yeah I remember him being Alan Pardew's first ever assistant um, in his well in his his managerial tenure um, and he was uh, he lasted about six months there was a gentleman's agreement when John Gorman came on board at Reading um, that uh, if Glenn because Glenn Hodder was out of work at the time after all his, his England stuff but if he if Glenn Hodder there was a gentleman's agreement that if Glenn Hoddle ended up in, in work um, that we wouldn't stand in John Gorman's way if they wanted to go and Glenn Hodder got the Southampton job and, and, and left um, that was on the back of um, 13 games without a win and very much a relegation battle in League League One as it is now. And um, we got in Martin Allen and everything turned from that point onwards for Reading Football Club for the next 10 years. Um, yeah, uh, John Gorman, as nice as he was, again, I, I don't dispute that at all. He's very popular in Reading. Really? No. no. He's no. very popular in Swindon, being such a nice man, but he just couldn't, I don't think he could handle the, the pressures and, yeah. uh, and bring it. After you've got Glenn Hoddling sort of charge and then um, John Gorman, yeah. so he was left with a bit so, of a job. So seeing as we're talking about fairly early days, and I'm conscious, obviously, you're sat there, Hannah, and not, we'll, we'll get, we won't get to you in a minute. Um, but since we're talking early days, we're talking early 90s, we might as well get in, into you, Chris, uh, into your experiences following Swindon. So whereabouts did it all start for you? Right, OK. I went to my first game um, with my father uh, in November 1977. Um, the only reason being is one of our family, um, a distant cousin, was playing for Tramia Rovers. Um, and um, not a well-known player, but uh, he was playing for Tramway Rovers when they played Swindon. It was an evening game. 
So I went along with my father and I got hooked. And then that was it really. Um, and then I started going properly, probably in the early 80s. Um, and I've had a season ticket ever since, um, from standing on the Stratton Bank in the corner. Um, there was a little raised bit on the Stratton Bank um, there for many, many years. Um, and then moving to the John Rogers stand, uh, which I've had my seat now since it was built. So Don Rogers stand, is that the... Uh... Is that what now is the Arkle stand, or is no, it? No, no it's, it's the new Shrivenham Road stand. Yeah, it's the new Shrivenham Road, so it was yeah. the Nationwide, the Intel, and then Don Rogers. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had my seat since it was built. Um, I did have a bit of a gap um, in my support when Steve McMahon was there. I didn't like Mr. McMahon, I didn't like his ways. So, I. Uh, Neither did we. <laughs> He's a bit like Marmite, isn't he? You either love him or you hate him. Um, so I had a bit of a break. Um, practically killed me uh, every Saturday when the results came through. Um, but then I, I got back into it. Um, managed to get my own seat back. And uh, that's, uh, that's where I've been ever since. It's so. amazing, isn't it, that you get a season ticket and you can let it go, but that seat is still that's yours. That's still, still yeah. seem, even though I've, I've moved moved um, from the what is now... I'm trying to think now, which which stand is this? Is, is it the... Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, the, the E stand, as it was always called at, at Reading. My season ticket was always row H8, seat 232. And that's still my seat, even though I don't sit there anymore. So, whoever's got that seat, look after it, please. You are just, you are just a temporary custodian. <laughs> no, it was quite funny, actually, because when I applied for my season ticket, I said I would like um, 112 in the Don Rogers... And uh, I said, I know it's not going to be available. And she said, oh, yes, it is. It's, but it was because it was one seat in between sort of families. So I had my seat back and I was over the moon. It was like fate. Mm-hmm. I was there to go back. And I would keep saying I've got the best seat in the ground. Halfway line, wall behind me, lower Don Rogers. Best seat in the ground. Nice. So you can stand up and... I can stand up and not shout and scream and, and not have people moaning at me. <laughs> Sit down! I can't see! Yeah, so it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, good stuff. So, I mean, in that time then, um, I mean, we'll look at players and we'll look at promotions, we'll look at relegations. Um, I mean, some of the players that, that, that roll off my tongue, uh, I mean, we've, we've, before we started talking, we've been talking about, about uh, or before we started recording, we've been talking about ex, ex-players. I'm thinking Jimmy Quinn, yeah. uh, Fraser Digby, um, we've mentioned Alan McLaughlin, haven't we? Yeah. Um, Vicky Hammond. Squeaky. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a, there's a number of, I mean, we're not just talking, this isn't a Reading podcast, this is a football-wide podcast, but it's difficult to not, because the clubs are so close. Um, we're not like there are some people that we consider as rivals um, it's we never don't... been that much of a rivals I would have said not as much as, as in Oxford no. or as in the, the Bristol um, things it's always been yeah. a bit different I, I think I think the same I mean that Reading I think uh, we, we, we sing about Swindon let's get into the rivalry <laughs> the show we sing Richard mentioned it Oh, we do um, it Reading, about Reading as well, but yeah, not as much we, as we, 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 Yeah, we do, we do sing about Swindon, and there are a lot of people who think, from the Reading side, that Swindon are the genuine rivals. Um, now, I tend to disagree, because historically our, our rivals were always all the shop. OK. Um, and so, 
if you talk to any Reading fan of an age, they'll always say that the games against Aldershot were always the ones that they'd look forward to. Uh, whereas Swindon and Oxford, Oxford particularly when they when they joined the league, um, it was 1961, um, they motored up Division 4, Division 3. Um, and Swindon, certainly in my lifetime, um, the first 20 years of my lifetime, the majority of the time, Swindon were always a division above Reading. Um, and so we didn't really play you that often. I didn't see see Reading play Swindon until '95, um, and then well, the tides have turned a bit now. But that rivalry, we haven't played each other very often in that time. And again, there's no love lost with Oxford. There's no love lost between the two clubs, is there? Let's face no, it. Not at all. Um, but the, because we've lost all the shot, and this was interesting because a former uh, um, uh, guest of mine. Uh, uh, what was his name? I can't think of the guy's name now. Sorry, Leicester City fan. Anyway, how bad of me? Um, I consider us in the same sort of position. I don't know whether you'd agree that we're kind of the annoying cousin of the three-way partnership. So he's a Leicester fan, and there's no love lost between Forest and Leicester. There's no love lost between Derby and Leicester. But Derby and Forest are far too preoccupied with each other to really worry about Leicester. So that's the way I think I see us. No, it's, it's probably true, actually. Yeah, it's, we've got more immediate, uh, I wouldn't say relatives, or, uh, but uh, more immediate um, people that we want to annoy and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so there is this, that rivalry because you're just at the M4, but it's never been, as you say, and it might be because we don't play. But I, I can remember nights at Elm Park with coins being thrown over the barriers and everything at me. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever really had that. I think I've only ever seen Swindon play Reading once. So, and obviously, because they are in close proximity to each other, you do obviously want to win the game. Yeah. But just don't feel that same sort of rivalry that you no. do with clubs that you play every season, every other season, Bristol Rovers, your Yeah, again, uh, yeah, I, say, I think there might be a slight generational um, uh, circumstance going on there. Simply, as you say, we haven't played each other in a competitive game since 2002. Um, and so there are literally adult Reading fans now and adult Swindon fans who have never seen the two clubs play in a generational game. The same goes for all the shot. Um, we don't sing about all the shot anymore, even though all the shot town are obviously the Phoenix club. But said at the start I'm a Reading fan of 32 years I've never seen us play Aldershot or Aldershot Town we've only ever played them once in a pre-season friendly um, and so I can't really build any dislike for them which is kind of what I'd like to do in, the, in a footballing sense but no I think I've only ever been to one Swindon game at the Matchstad mm -hmm. Um, and I think I've only been to a couple maybe one or two at the Old Down Park yeah um, so in that length of time that's not a lot no no there was that period I say that in the mid 90s to the early 2000s where we played each other on a, all but one season I think only two of those games were at the Medeski um, there was a 2-0 win for us and a 3-1 win for you um, but otherwise the same goes for Oxford we played Oxford twice in the League Cup in 2003 and 2004 but again we haven't played them in a, in a competitive league game since 2001 uh, and so again you know, that generational um, scenario comes into play again so I, I kind of wonder whether whether really the younger Reading fans really know what a genuine rivalry is 
I was going to say, who is now older shot? Take that out. Who is your rival's Wickham? <laughs> Nobody cares about Wickham already. You know, they're, 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 they are our closest league club. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I say nobody cares about Wickham. Clearly, we do. Um, but they're just another club that we want to be. You know, there's no, there's never. We haven't played them very often. Uh, probably eight or nine, nine, ten times. Um, half a dozen times in the league. You know, we haven't really had any, any, any proper. Um, uh, opportunity to, to build that rivalry. Yeah. You know, I think this is probably where I sit with Oxford. Is that even though it's 1961 they joined them, 60 years ago they joined the league, they were elected. I still see them a little bit as the non-league upstarts. Um, it's a and kind way of, of it. <laughs> and um, you know, kind of stolen our thunder a little bit with you guys. So if it wasn't for Oxford, maybe. Who knows? That rivalry, can, we'll never know, of course. But, yeah. no, I think I'm interested on our side to see the next generation coming through, how they consider the Swindon Forest Green games. Uh, so I get asked quite often, do you see that as a rivalry? And again, they're just also, like us and Wickham. Yeah, I think it's exactly just, the same yeah, as us and Wickham. They're one of the closest clubs to us, but. Don't really see. I don't know. Again, it's probably because Forest Green are a relatively new club coming through. We've not played them that much until recently. Well, we seem to have played them a lot, but no, I don't know. It's. I don't know if the rivalry goes back to the seventies and the eighties, and it was more. The, there was a lot more rivalry in football then than there is now. I don't know. Um, it's. Of now I think people look at just the fixture list. Oh, when are we playing Bristol City? Not oh right, okay, still clear of the town when Bristol City are in town or yeah. Mr. Rovers are in town. So maybe that element has has disappeared. Yeah, I think um, also with that the whole social media phenomenon as well. I mean, there's this thing going on. I'm going to talk about Reading again a little bit um, with Birmingham. Now, you know, Reading and Birmingham rivals, both sides seem to be thinking that the other side is what, what, what is known as forcing a rivalry. Um, I mean, hello, Birmingham are um, far bigger and more illustrious rivals to worry about than, you know, a, the sleepy town in the royal county of Berkshire. Um, it just strikes me as a bit bizarre that, but yeah, you can you can build up a little bit of antipathy, but a rivalry? No. I think is if a player moves to you um, from a, another club, you can get that banter that oh, you've stolen our player and that type of rivalry, but not what I would say proper rivalry um, yeah. between the clubs. Yeah. But yeah. The ones that actually still confuse me, and I know one of them is historic and much before my time, um, but further afield is the Newport County and the Plymouth Argyle rivalries. There seems to be so, probably more so on their side, I think, than ours. But there's an active dislike for Swindon fans. From I don't know. Sets of supporters. Don't know about the Newport. Um, I do know about the Plymouth, and in my opinion, this is I don't know if it's any cause of it, um, but there was somebody, um, I don't know if they were 
fatally injured or injured, um, and I can't actually remember if it was a Plymouth supporter, I think it was a Plymouth supporter when they played, so I think that's got a lot to do with that coming on, um, but um, that was a long, long, long time ago, um, but I think parts of that in history, as you say, go through the generations, but it will get lost. And if you ask anybody, why is there a rivalry? Like yourself, you wouldn't know. Yeah, um, I've only found out through asking my parents, yeah. why, why is there this rivalry? I don't see it. We're, it takes us three, four hours to get there. Why? I don't understand. <laughs> Distance-wise, we're I definitely think, not. Right? I think the thing with Plymouth, I used to work with a few Plymouth fans. Um, and they were... You know, they kind of stuck out on a limb and you know the only two I mean it's not like they're not even a football league club now talking at the moment but, um, the only you know sort of traditional rivals they've had have been sort of Torquay and Exeter um, they've had to go 120 miles up the road you know before Yeovil came on the scene again they're not a league club anymore at the moment um, they've had to go 120 miles up the road to the Bristol clubs they've had to go um, three and a half hours drive to Swindon four hours drive to Reading you know they always travel well to Reading for example there's no love lost between Reading and Plymouth either um, and you know they are by far the biggest club in Devon um, and I think they kind of see themselves probably a little bit bigger than what they, are. they genuinely are um, whether that's I'm sure Plymouth fans might disagree with that but um, yeah I, so they've got they, you know, they've, they've just got, I think they've just got this genuine dislike of anybody that they kind of perceive as relatively local in comparison to the rest of the country yeah. so, I suppose if you live that far down that is local two hours or three hours up the road isn't yeah, it so yeah. But talking of rivalry, we were, um, I was discussing this with family about the Rangers and Celtic because my family are from Glasgow um, and we are all Rangers supporters and I do know the history between them but you see the aggro such on social media with going back and forwards, sectarian bits and everything but I think if you ask any of those young kids they probably wouldn't be able to tell you what the history of it was. They've just grown up with this dislike, but the actual reasons I think have been lost in the uh, game. I think it's the same with a lot of uh, the rivalries as we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I tend to agree there. So talk, talk to me about um, your start then, then Hannah. Um, I mean, I'll ask exactly the same question. Where did it all get started for you? Um, so unlike Chris, I can't actually remember what my first game was. You're not um, the only one, to be fair. <laughs> Seriously, you're not the only one. You go through any of my episodes and lots of people cannot remember yeah, what their first game was. I would have, have absolutely no idea. I know my parents were both travelling with me while I was still a baby. I've been brought up with Swindon ever since I was tiny. Um, that's back through my grandparents and everything as well. We all used to go out together to uh, watch the games. I still go out with my family's watching the games now, actually. Um, but no, like Chris, um, I also had a season ticket for as long as I can remember at the county ground. Um, in the same seat in the Arcos stand. Uh, opposite. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much opposite, actually. I also sit on the halfway line on the opposite side of the ground, um, just behind the dugout, so I've got a great view. I like to, like to obviously both ends of, ends of the pitch. Um, you see, you've got this... this if I hope you don't mind me saying you've got this kind of innocent face but I bet you're one of these people that are throwing it to your left hand side aren't you with the old gesticulations the away fans yeah 
you're probably. <laughs> I was going to say, have you seen this video since before? <laughs> no, not more recently, but um, yeah, if, if my dad listens to this podcast at a later date, he'll have distinct memories of the playoff, fi- um, playoff semi finals at Charlton away well, many years ago now. But, um, yeah, there were, there, let's just say I had a, a fluorescent pair of uh, fluorescent orange gloves on that day. <laughs> um, and yeah, teenage self uh, quite, wasn't quite so innocent. <laughs> uh, football fans won't change, will they? Oh no, never. No, never. No. So yeah, sorry, I kind of interrupted there. Carry on. No, no problem. Um, so yeah, no, still go out with my family. Um, most of the away games, actually, I travel with my sister, uh, who I went with to Scunthorpe at the weekend. Um, so it's very much always been a family affair for me. Um, a lot of my friends aren't into football at all, which, as much as I talk about it all the time, I just can't get them along to a game. Um, so yeah, just keep it in the family. And yeah. I've never really ever considered moving to another team. I often got asked, do you not support a Premier League team as well? <coughs> No, I, I, for me, I just can't relate to a Premier League team that I can't go and see week in, week out. There's no point for me supporting someone like Liverpool or Manchester yeah. City yeah. when they're so far away. I can't go to every home game. Um, you just watch them on the telly. And it's yeah, it's sports season ticket. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. not the same as going out there. You don't get the same atmosphere, the same fan engagement. You don't build that connection with your club the same way. And almost certainly you'd be going if you, if you did do that, you'd be going to see I don't know Man United. It's one of the smaller clubs in the division next year. Um, Be careful. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the Premier League clubs now. Don't Crystal know Palace, I mean. Brentford. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just like a run of the mill game. You're not going to get that special atmosphere. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get that. Obviously, different club, but Liverpool, the Tuesday night European atmosphere um, at Anfield. You know, because. Every other game is just another game, you know. I don't know if you've been to see them play at any of the, see Swindon play at any of the other of those those games, those grounds. But you know, for a run of the mill league game, there's, there's a, you get a bit of an aura outside, but it's just a run of the mill game, and it's actually the atmosphere is almost always created by the away fans. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No. Sorry, Hannah, you carry on. <laughs> so, um. So, uh, delving into the um, in some perhaps what some people would consider to be rudeness, but how long ago was that for you? When I started going up there, yeah, yeah. Uh, so wow, I've been going for all my life, so 25 years ago now, right? Okay, so that brings us uh, mid 90s then, yes. So, yeah, so what, what, what are your first uh, solid memories following Swindon? Are we talking early 2000s, earlier, later? Yeah, early 2000s. Uh, the ones that stick in my mind, so you had sort of the Andy King era, mm-hmm. uh, not the most favorable manager of mine, but. <laughs> um, we did bring in a, good, a few good players. Um, Super Sammy Parkin was my absolute favourite growing up. Um, if you ask Sam, I met him religiously every single game in the car park. Had the same photo. Had to get his autograph. Um, I've still got his boots actually at home. They're, they're on top of the wardrobe. Um, were there tears when he left to join Ipswich? I wasn't pleased. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that kind of era with, with Sam, with Danny Invincible, uh, that's probably my earliest memory. Yeah, okay. Um, so, 
you, know, you had Andy King, you had um, trying to think of your team now because there was a playoff in there as well, wasn't there? 2005, I think, uh, maybe a little bit later, down at Brighton. Yes, I can. I, I didn't go to the game, but I can remember watching it at home, sat behind my sofa, <laughs> too scared to watch at points. But um, yeah, not the best outcome for us, as seems to have been the case with most of our playoffs that I've seen. Yeah, um, so Andy Gurney was there as well. Yeah, another yeah. Reading link, of course. Um, I just remember him just ploughing through everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was from one end of the ground to the other. Just, yeah. He just went and that was it. Yeah, no. It was like the tide just went. Turned. Yeah, he was definitely a player you didn't want to be in his way. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, yeah, he, I mean, I suppose for Reading fans, Andy Gurney was, I mean, he was a Tommy Burns sign and we signed him from Torquay. Um, and he was... He had his qualities, but he always, you know, for me, he lacked pace for fullback. He was never going to make it any higher than what the, the, the level he was at, which was now League One. Yeah. But so, your best memories then? Let's go into your best memories. The ones that really stick in your memory. First one for me, and I'll circle back to it, has to be the playoff semi final at Charlton away. Away at the Valley. That was just an unbelievable evening. What <laughs> year was that? 2000. I think it was 2010. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Not good with dates. Every, yeah, everything's blurs. Uh, so uh, that was was that the Millwall final year? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're not talking too much about the final. No, no. <laughs> not okay. so memorable. But yeah, the second leg away at Charlton. I just remembered the. Uh, was it Charlie Austin that went through on goal in the final? The little bubble. The bubble. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. The bubble. The, fa the infamous bubble. On the crap Wembley pitch as it was there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But no, the semi-final for me was it, it just stands out as one of the best well away days football matches that I've been to. Uh, the atmosphere building up to the game was electric. Inside inside the ground, the away fans were singing all game. Um, the penalties were. It's, it's a it's a good away end as well, I think. Yeah, it is. Jimmy isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is a good away end. It was packed out both ends. Um, to take it to penalties, I can't say I like that sort of pressure on a playoff semi-final. Um, but when you're on the the winning end of it, it, it makes everything <laughs> worth it. Especially especially when your defenders are taking the penalties to take you through to the Wembley final. Yeah. Penalties, playoffs. <laughs> I think no. I'm right to say, I'm just trying to think now. Um, you know, we've only been taken to penalties once in a playoff, and it's playoff final far four years ago. Lost. Needless to say, we lost. We've never won a playoff competition, so. Yeah. So, what about, you know, you're talking about uh, your. You know, the good experiences. I mean, it'd be remiss if, if I didn't talk about perhaps some of the less salubrious side of football. And particularly, given that you're obviously both women uh, following your football club. Now, recently, um, I've done a series in support of Her Game 2, um, which I'm assuming you've heard of. Um, and I'm kind of I'm keen 
to kind of understand what your experiences of that side of it within football are and whether or not you've had any bad experiences and whether or not you're willing to talk about them. Um, I can go further back than Hannah, so <laughs> I must admit I haven't had um, that bad, any bad experiences um, that I can remember. There's been the odd sort of um, rival, what are you doing here and that type of thing, but it's been in a jokey type of, of manner. Um, no, I don't think there has been, there's been anything actually in all the time that I've been there that's been real um, bad experience. I think a lot of the time if we've been to away games, which prior to the last few years I used to go to every away game, um, I was more protected than, than anything if we were walking back to the coach and there was trouble brewing, you seem to get this circle around you um, that was protecting you. Um, so I think, no, and I must admit I've probably been very, very lucky in that respect. Um, but no, I can't think of any time that there's ever been... And since I did, uh, my allegiances did not go from Swindon because I had a season ticket with Swindon, but I also had a season ticket with Portsmouth at the same time. And we used to go down there um, and we sat just by the dugouts. And Portsmouth is quite intimidating ground. Yes. And, <laughs> and we had these seats um, just by the dugouts, as I say. And but we had a bunch of lads that sat round by us who were troublemakers. They sat by the away dugout and I remember, I can't remember who it was, but chucked a bucket of water over them at one of the managers. Um, but it was like, if there was any trouble, we were protected. Or if anybody comes sat in a seat, no, that's a girl's seat, because I used to go with my sister. No, that's a girl's seat, can't sit there. So I think it's been very much... Um, I've been very lucky, just put it that way, um, in all the time. I've not had that negative impact on it. Right. What yourself, Anna? No, I don't think I've actually had any negative experiences thinking about it. I was just trying to reflect then, but um, no, I think largely the same. You do get quite a lot of people at games who will, well, especially the males there, especially at away games, they will almost look out for you, mm -hmm. um, even if they're not directly speaking to you they kind of just keep an eye on the situation and yeah. then if something does arise they're quite quickly there to kind of move you out of the way of whatever's occurring um, I would say the one thing when I first started going or probably more in my teenagers there was never an expectation that as a woman that you'd know a great level of detail about the football or you'd fully understand all of the rules or you'd know all of the players um, so when actually you can hold a full conversation with someone about the football and what's been going on and the results and things like that people are actually strangely impressed by that uh, which has always always surprised me but yeah, that, again, that's, that's one of the recurring themes that throughout those uh, episodes that I did was almost, in, in some cases, there'd be you know, a, a woman uh, involved in a, in a conversation with perhaps three or four other, other men 
and they, the, the kind of the, the points that the men were making would be kind of directed towards the other men and kind of not necessarily towards the woman. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a subliminal thing um, and not necessarily deliberate. But men do need to be more aware that if there is a woman involved in the conversation with football, that actually they are an equal partner in that conversation. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely getting better. Um, and for me, it's never been a problem because I'm quite confident, I'm quite chatty, and usually I'll be starting the conversation about the football rather than <laughs> someone else trying to have having to try and include me. Um, but no, I think people are definitely getting better and are starting to be more inclusive with just generally having those conversations that anyone can join in. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, and they have to learn, isn't it? It's, it's the same, it's, uh, as you say, they tend to talk over you a lot of the time until they know you, um, but you just, I remember one day when I was sat in the stand, it was an away game, and they were talking, uh, and I just turned up and said, yeah, but he got nice legs. And that was like, they went, oh. <laughs> and I think that's, it's the, and then you say, well, that's what I'm here for, isn't it? And it makes them realise, oh, hang on a minute, Maybe it's not just uh, that you're not just here to yeah. for the pretty pictures that they paint. On so the, playing a little bit of a game with them, yeah. Then, yeah. 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 And then it, it turns and you can have a conversation with them. Yeah, and I, think, yeah I am here. <laughs> One thing though I found really interesting. So we, well, pre-COVID, um, we're holding live events uh, down at the county ground. Uh, one thing that always sticks in my mind was there was a male in the room who was presenting just doing we, we kind of split it in half so he did the first half I was doing the second um, and it was just after the break so he just started off um, with this presentation as people were coming back from the break they're still chatting amongst themselves and getting drinks and things like that um, and he finished his half of the presentation and I took over the microphone and the room just went deadly silent and everyone just looked at me fully atten full attention full focus on what I was saying which actually really surprised me that it wasn't the other way around that given the, the like scenario given the audience in the room were predominantly male that actually when the female steps up to take the mic and talk about Changes. talk about things how that dynamic changed yeah, yeah. that's interesting um, I'm not entirely sure what to, what really to, to suggest or what to, what to say on the back of that. Um. No, no, it surprised me. <laughs> it really put, it caught me off guard a little bit because I was expecting to just kind of continue with that sort of. Do you think that might be because that you know certainly when it comes to following Swindon, you're obviously. Um, part of the supporters trust I think you're the events coordinator yeah so uh, so I'm the events coordinator with the official supporters club and then I'm uh, the supporters club liaison for the trust for the supporters trust yeah okay so, yeah. so, so do, you, do you think given that your your face is out there as it were that people actually recognised you and, and kind of respected the gave, a, gave, gave you a, a, a degree of respect that perhaps an unknown face may not have Given, or? Um, potentially, I'm not sure. It was one of our first live events, and prior to that, I was quite happy. I love organising events. I'm quite happy to do all of the organisation in the background and let other people kind of be the face of it. Hmm. Um, so I think at that point, I don't know that that many people would have known who I was. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. Yeah. A really I think, I think it's a lot of it. It might be respect, which is good. It's, uh, 
and it's like, oh right, I'll listen to what she's saying because uh, it's something different, maybe. I've got a different perspective on it, so it might be that. I don't know. It's re reassuring, though, to know that you know the the, the whole um, reason behind her game too isn't isn't absolutely universal. I think. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any any prospect? I, mean, I think I'm right in saying that Swindon Town they're not one of the clubs that have actually come out publicly in support. There aren't enough, a lot of clubs that have done that. Is there any prospect of Swindon doing that any any time soon? I think it's something that certainly we can bring up with the club. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, if you know, but the new owner of the club has um, asked for a advisory board to be created mm -hmm. uh, with the fan groups, yep. um, and then they'll have meetings periodically. And, and that's literally for support liaison purposes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from our respect, uh, for our members of the official supporters club, they put through their questions. We can take them on to this meeting and bring it up. We've got a very, very good relationship with the new CEO, um, as Hannah <laughs> used to be part of the trust, so Hannah knows him very well. Um, so we've got that relationship, so that's something that we can actually bring to the advisory board, or even before that, we can put that question to them. Yeah. Um, I and think. See. I think. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking on behalf of uh, of her game too, um, certainly, but. Having said that, um, I think they'd only be too pleased if you were able to do that. Well, yeah, and I think at the moment, with the new regime being very, very new, um, it's probably something that will come in once the, the season gets going and the bits of like season tickets um, and things like that are sorted mm -hmm. and they're on a bit of an even keel and then they can look at things, bringing different things like that in. We've got a very good um, women's team, Swindon women's team, um, very close links with them. The official supporters have do a lot of sponsorship for them. Um, and so we have got that, um, the link there, so it's something that we can certainly bring up and, and I think I think they'd be, they'd be only too pleased. So Kaz, Lucy, girls, if you're listening, <laughs> I've got your back and I've got a double thumbs up as well, which you can't see. <laughs> and Chris is writing it in her book. <laughs> yeah. So moving on then, um, ladies. Uh, yeah, we can't let this go without, I suppose this is really the place to start. Hannah, um, I know you're part of the um, Supporters Trust and you have a bit of an understanding of what was going on. Um, so what happened with can't pay or we'll take it away? <laughs> um, I don't actually, it might actually be one that's better place for you Chris to take. Um, I don't remember too much of the time of when that happened. I have seen the episode. Um, obviously there were a, a lot of financial issues at the time. Um, but yeah, it might actually be one that Chris yeah. you might know more of. Uh, I, I don't think um, I, a lot of people know exactly what was wrong because in those days there wasn't a lot of social media anyway so it wasn't uh, highly um, publicised. But again, it was owners um, not paying bills, um, lots of money going in pockets and things, I think. I might be uh, a bit liable there, but um, yes, yeah, so I think it was just that, and I think it was just a case of that's when they called the bailiffs in. Um, very much like we've had in the last few years, really, um, with uh, the 
latest owner um, not paying bills and things. So I think it's uh, more to do with that. So. Uh, clearly, it's it's a it's a, a clear indication of the issues that Swindon have had. Yeah for well over a decade now yeah. so I mean I'm looking back to I mean I, you know, I can think back as far I think as Willie Carson um, now he wasn't necessarily a bad owner was he um, but it's not long after that that things really started to go south for Swindon that's right I think there was um, lots of bad decisions made in directorships um, I don't know if the now that the EFL are doing the um, what do you call it the, the proper testing fit and proper testing I don't know if they did that in those days um, but I can think back to um, Terry Brady Karen Brady uh, that era as well um, when they were at Swindon there was always this thing in the back of everybody's minds what is going on behind the scenes um, and it just sort of seemed to have come up from there um, and now I keep saying this but it's more the social media side of it you do learn more um, I wouldn't have said in whenever this was going on a few years ago that I could go on the internet and look at Kempke's house and see what the directorships are and everything like that. I wouldn't have even known that. But now it seems commonplace that you can just go in and look and see his directors and what they are and everything. One thing that we have had for a long, long time is issues with the accounts. They will not publish them. Um, and so we've had redacted uh, or summary accounts for many, many years. Um, so it's not been really highlighted what the issues are. I've got to ask this question because not everybody will necessarily know. Um, is that not illegal? I don't know. They seem to have got away with it. Um, I don't know if it's because you get fined if you don't supply them and they thought it was better getting fined than actually getting publishing them. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but certainly for a long, long time. And I, for my sins, I was a shareholder uh, for many years. I don't know if I've still got shares. I wouldn't think they're worth anything now anyway. But back in the day, I'm talking 30 years ago, they had a campaign where they were selling shares and I bought some. Um, and we used to get the accounts, we used to get um, the annual general meetings, but all that just fizzled out, so I don't know um, where that is. But to answer your question, no, I don't know if it's illegal. Um, yeah, I'm I sure. don't know. Two point, no, it's not illegal. Um, I think the legislation, legislation stipulates that they have to file accounts, um, but they are allowed to be abbreviated. Um, so that's what we've seen a lot of in recent years, is yeah. a summary of the accounts. So at a high level, it will tell you your, your profit and loss. Um, and we, yeah, definitely have been in the negative by quite significant sums of money. Uh, but there's never any detail provided behind that, what that's for, yeah. where that money has been going. So presumably, and because there's no accounts, nobody really knows um, who owns what. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, and that's that, another. Uh... That, that's yeah, another off the field issue that's been dealt with in court at the moment. Right. Um, there is an ongoing 
ownership battle, uh, aside from the, the one that's just been resolved between Lee Power and Glen Morfuni. Um, but this time between it was previously between Lee Power and Michael Standing. Uh, so I think that's still planned to be going to court in September at the moment, uh, but those dates may shift. So how far back does your sort of your intrinsic knowledge of the financial issues go? Not very much. I've only learnt a lot from the trust, really, um, because it just wasn't... You knew there was irregularities. You knew there was um, people talking about it. Um, where does this money go? Where does that money go? Where's the money gone from this player? But being a, a lonely supporter, you weren't that involved in what that actually meant. Um, and this is exactly why it's important for all clubs to have a good, solid trust with um, with good links into the club yeah. and ask the right questions and exactly. press the right buttons. Yeah. Um, do you think Swindon has a particularly powerful trust? Yes. Yeah, I would agree. I think so. We've got, so we've got two supporters, supporters fan groups. So we've got the official supporters club, mm -hmm. which have the official affiliation and link into the club, and then you have the supporters trust, um, and they're the kind of independent group. Um, and definitely, in the last eighteen months, two years, uh, they've kind of stepped up massively and more publicly put, applied a lot of pressure onto the owners. Um, Have you managed to elicit um, any, well has Lee Power been eventually when pressed forthcoming with, with information or and have you managed to elicit anything from him or no right. won't speak to anybody um, if you ask the wrong question he just bans you from the ground from any communication with the club or anything yeah uh, so communicated funny, yeah <laughs> off, before we started recording i mentioned uh blackpool okay. and there are some there are some clear parallels with what happened that what Christine mentioned in her episode with me. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I will have to. I do have to give a special shout out actually to the um, Blackpool Supporters Trust because we were in contact with them and have been in contact with them in the last particularly six to nine months um, to kind of ask for their advice and their guidance on how they managed their situation yep. because there were some similarities to ours. Um, so I will say a big thank you to those guys for um, for their support as well as some of the other trusts um, that I know we've spoken to. Luton were very, uh, um, sort of come in and said if you need any support. Yeah, it has, like it has actually been really reassuring. The, the amount of other clubs that have kind of become aware of what has been going on at Swindon in the last year or so particularly and have offered their support and even some of we've spoken with like the Exeter Trust, we've spoken to ASC Wimbledon and they're all more than willing to share their experiences and support in how they've dealt with similar situations in the recent past. What is you say it's reassuring and absolutely it is that clubs will absolutely help each other out. I mean as far as I'm concerned um, in some ways I view supporters trusts as a lot of independent sort of trade unions in some ways with the FSA as the overarching umbrella for the sort of the national council as it were. Um, what isn't reassuring is the number of times that clubs have to help each other out. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think 
given the similarities in these situations and how many times they've reoccurred even in the last 10, 15 years, it's concerning that you've got all of the clubs and all of the supporters and the FSA as the overarching organisation trying to push all of these things in the right direction, but some of the organisations at the top don't seem to be coming on board as quickly. Yeah, and this is hopefully where the fan-led review is going to be understatement alert, useful. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, no, but... Have Slogan yeah. had any input into that at all? Um, um, I know the Supporters Trust have been um, engaged with the FSA on, on that initiative. Um, I don't know how much input they've had directly, um, but I know they are supportive of that. So, uh, go, again, we touched on it at the very start, new owners, what's the owner's name now, sorry? Uh, so it's Clem, Clem Morthuni, mm -hmm. um, so he's of the Axis Group. Right. And so far, what we've said all seems very positive. There's a lot more fan engagement, a lot more seemingly, at the moment, transparency. Um, clearly, I think it's fair to say that Swindon fans and the Sports Trust and the Sports Club will be keeping their ear on the ground, ear to the ground, um, because fingers have been burnt on numerous occasions, haven't they? Yes, definitely. I think so far things have been good, um, even in the lead up to Clem taking over, he penned his open letter kind of outlining his plans if he were to be successful with what he would do with the club, how he would get supporters involved, how he wants to ensure that layer of openness and transparency, um, but absolutely the supporters club and the supporters trust will definitely be holding them to account um, to ensure they do deliver on those promises. Good. And is he, is he a Swindon fan? He is now. He is now. <laughs> he is now, yeah. So, so Clem's been involved with the club for I think five or six years now. So he was um, one of our minor minority shareholders. Yeah. Um, and obviously now is the majority shareholder, as far as we know. Um, but yeah, I think in that time it's fair to say he's definitely been inducted as a Swindon fan. Um, and yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll see numerous videos circulating on, of him online, of him in the home and the away ends. Um, celebrating in with the fans, um, getting involved with some of the chanting as well. Yeah, ah, good stuff. But I think um, I'll just wrap this little section off. Um, there's not been quite as much detail as, as some of the other um, uh, some of the other episodes that I've done, and that's not a bad thing. I think um, what people need to understand is that the situation hasn't been entirely resolved at Swindon, has it? The information has not been forthcoming, and so the supporters' trust simply don't know. Like I mentioned, who owns what? You don't know. Where's the money gone? You don't know. Lee Power, where are you? I don't know. Um, so, so that's not necessarily a bad thing that you don't know. Well, in terms of the podcast, it's not a bad thing. Um, but you know, to be able to actually talk about it and highlight it... Yeah, I think there has been a lot of uncertainty, especially in the last few years. Um, hopefully we are we have reached the turning point and we are starting to turn the ship around um, and move in a better direction. Um, yeah, I think there's still a long way to go, a lot still to be uncovered of truly the extent of some of the issues behind the scenes. Um, but I do believe we hopefully have the uh, the right people in place now to take us forward. Yeah, we had uh, um, uh, 
live stream with the new CEO last week and he said there's a lot more skeletons in the cupboards that are coming out um, and that's what they're going to expect for the time being because it was such a it was such a quick turnaround um, that it is there's going to be a long time before we are on as I said previously that even keel and maybe we'll never be on an even keel you don't know because things are uncertain all the time in football aren't they? So, yeah. but there's optimism oh yes yeah, I think, I think the main thing is we've still got a club, we've now got owner, we've got a manager, we've got players in, so hopefully we can kind of get that level of stability now and then push forward. As Hannah previously said, with our pre-season friendlies, we had five or six five professionals, or six. yeah, that stayed with us. Trialist A, Trialist B, Trialist yeah. C, yeah. And then we had the youths in. Yeah. But those five professionals that stayed with us, they weren't getting paid. Yes. But they stayed with us, they trained, and it just shows that there is that belief in there was something coming out at the end of it. Because if you're a professional footballer, as everybody says, your career's very short, you want another club. If you're not don't know what the future's going to be. You want to be paid yeah. and everything. And, uh, and even the players who come in take out the Pierce Sweeney episode, but there were players who come in over that time when there was that real uncertainty of is Clem going to sort of succeed in getting it? So they come in, Jojo Wallicott, he come in not knowing what the situation was, yeah. but there's that belief that, yes, something was going to happen. Yeah. So they have got to be commended for, for doing that. We'll move on to the very last section. Now, this is it's not something that I've actually enlightened you to just yet, um, but I quite, like this to, I quite like this to be um, uh, completely off the cuff. Okay. Um, so this is what I call the significant six. Now, this is six questions. Um, uh, and essentially, it's your, 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 your come out with your answers, and, and, we, and we discuss them. Nothing bad, nothing, nothing to worry about. Don't worry. Uh, now, I might not get these in the order that I normally do them because I haven't got my laptop in front of me. Um, but yes, once again, the questions will be exactly the same. So, um, question one is your favourite all-time away day. Yeah, uh, for me, I think I've now said this three times, it has, to, it, it has to be that Charlton away semi-final. Yeah. yeah, it has to be the Charlton away semi-final for me. Yeah, your favourite once it's finished. Beforehand, yes. it's just, those kind of games are just so nerve-wracking, nerve aren't yes. they? Yeah, it was incredibly nerve-wracking, um, but it was a great day out. I, had, I think I had my face painted and everything. I had the Swindon flag wrapped around me. Uh, yeah, incredible day out. Mm -hmm. And mine was Tranmere away um, in the playoffs to go to Wembley for the uh, when we went up to the uh, Premiership. 93. 93. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, and right at the end, the actual Tranmere fans come over and applauded the Swindon fans. There was just that much, I don't know, it was just, it's bizarre. Um, and I remember my nephew, um, he was very small, uh, and my sister had actually phoned school to say he wasn't well. Mm. 
so we could go to it because it was an evening game. And then he gets on national tenny, stood on a barrier, <laughs> waving his arms about. <laughs> um, and he must have been seven or eight, I assume. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, so for all the world to see. But yeah, that was that was amazing, absolutely amazing. What was the score in that? I want to say 3-1, but I'm not sure. Because that, that was the time of the Tranmere. The Tranmere had a very, very strong side back then, didn't they? That was Swindon and Tranmere, similar size clubs, punched at the top end of Division 1, as it was called then. Um, Tranmere got to the playoffs three seasons in a row, didn't get to the playoff final. Um, now, 94-95, they lost to us. Funny enough, it was 3-1 as well. Uh, we went up to Franklin Park. Um, so... Yeah, also got good memories of. Uh, yeah, it was it was just amazing how how friendly they were and how appreciative they were of the fans. I can remember horses on the pitch trying to divide them coming over, and then they just went off because they knew there was no malice. Yeah, it was yeah. sensational. Let's move on to question two then. So, um, what's your favourite away ground? I'll go first then. Okay. It has to be Portsmouth, mainly because I had spent a few seasons down there as a, a, a home supporter as well, um, but it's just amazing. The atmosphere down there um, is just electrifying at any game. Um, I'm sat in yeah, my head. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's unreal. I don't know uh, why it's so different to anywhere else, um, but it is, it's just electrifying for every game. So, yeah, that's my favourite way. You've been to Fratton Park? Have a pleasure. I haven't, no. I'll tell you, so <laughs> seriously, but I've been down to Fratton Park half a dozen occasions minimum. Um, and I was there for the 7 4, uh, which is the highest ever score in the Premier League game. Uh, interesting to say the least. Um, but you're right, the atmosphere at Fratton Park, when you're in that away end, and it's even better now that the, um, the, the Milton end has got a roof. Yeah. Um, the, you get it from, it's not just like most grounds where you'll get it from one side or one end, it's from all around you. Yeah, they're just so passionate. And it just seems to sort of stereo right the way round, doesn't it? Yeah. So we've got the main part uh, where this, uh, is it Johnny Westwood, is that his name? John Westwood, yeah. John Westwood, he used to have a drum, he used to be kitted out with his big hat oh, and God, everything yeah. like that. And it just seems to, that type, but then just everywhere around. It's, uh, yeah, so he's the bugle player as well, isn't he, John Westwood? And he, he can see him, actually. If you look at, look at the away end, and literally he's directly behind the goal, halfway up, and he's there at the, the very central entrance to the stand. Um, like I say, you can't miss it. But, you know, the Fratton end gets, gets the whole place going, you know. It's, 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 like, it's not a great level of Portsmouth, but can't ever say that there's ever been a bad atmosphere when I've been down there, so that's a great choice. Yeah. I think I'd go, actually go for Bradford. Do you know what? That's the third time they've been... <laughs> the Valley Parade, yeah. Uh, I, I've been up there a few times, actually. Um, we've got friends up there. Um, but... No, I've always really enjoyed it up at Bradford. Um, I it probably am a little bit biased because I really, like one of their songs that they've twisted to make into a football chant uh, is probably one of my favourite songs. So, but no, I've always really enjoyed it up there. Obviously, got good memories when we've played up there under Decanio. Um, 
because I think we had the guard of honour up there because we we yeah. we'd been promoted prior to that game. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I'd say Bradford. Yeah, I say it's the third time I think that they've come up now in, in that question. <laughs> um, I've been there twice and just had really really good days out what you know they're, they're a very friendly fan base um and a bit like i guess it's, it's a modern um modern rebuild stadium unlike fratton park which is another one of the one of the one of the points for fratton park that i want that i didn't make is just the evocative nature of the place with you know uh traditional that's what one thing i love about the county ground by the way traditional floodlights yeah. <laughs> in all four corners fratton park's exactly the same and you know you, yeah. And the seats are level with the pitch side, so you actually <laughs> yeah, stuck it on the, the yeah. players' feet. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Bradford is again, it's a it's a modern rebuild, but it still seems to me to retain yeah. that aura yeah. of of sort of uh, age. Um, and it's weird as well, isn't it? Just two massive sides yeah. and two tiny, yeah. or, well, not tiny stands, but you know. Um, yeah, no, I, I've enjoyed my times up in Bradford, and I've been there with a full house as well with the FA Cup. Um, it was the season Bradford knocked out Chelsea uh, in the, the fourth round. We played them in the quarterfinals. We got a nil-nil draw up there and beat them in the replay. Uh, but yeah, it was a full house. My God, what an atmosphere they can create! Unbelievable. Of course, they were under you know, uh, they were League Two at the time. I think under a Reading legend as well, Phil Parkinson. Yeah. So, yeah, no, two, two, two very good choices. And what proven to be very popular as well, because I, I think I might present Fratton Park also isn't the first time that that's been pulled out on that, on that question. Um, I'm desperately trying to think of, uh, of the other four. So, all right, we'll go with what we normally use as the last two. So, first, your favourite current Swindon player? That's difficult because they're all new. Yeah. <laughs> and the ones that aren't, we haven't seen play really in real life. Um, yeah, that, that is very difficult because <laughs> most of the players that have signed, we've literally seen, I've seen play once up at Scunthorpe yeah. on Saturday. Um, currently, I think I probably have to go Dion Conroy, yeah. who's our club captain again yeah. for this season. Um, I think. Given the number of injuries he's had to overcome, both mentally and physically, um, I think he's been with the club now for, I think it's about four years. I think it's spanned more five or six seasons, but I think it's about four years. But I think he's just got the right attitude as a player and he's everything that you'd want in a club captain. Yeah. He engages with the fans, so we've spoken to him on our Monday night panel a few times. Um, he's been great to chat to, he's always got time for you. Um, but he's great at leading the players out on the pitch too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dion would be high on my list as well, but I think at the moment it's probably Jack Payne. Um, he's, he's proved, again, his dedication to the club. Um, and I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. And again, he's been on our panel 
um, our supporters club won a couple of times. He won Player of the Year last season. Um, but I think he's one to really get the players going. Um, and then there's always Anthony Grant. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Grant, Anthony Grant. Um, he's everybody's favourite, the general. Um, and again... Is he the all-action midfielder that everybody loves? He is, loves? yeah, he yeah. is. Um, and he's, a, he's such a character. He's, well, we've had him on the panel a oh, few yeah. times. He's just yeah, been he was, hilarious. He was another player of the season winner a couple of years ago, um, alongside Owen Doyle, actually. And the two of them, oh. <laughs> we had both of them on at the same time. And... My goodness. <laughs> the banter back and forth between them. That, that's, you could see why they were a promotion winning team. Yeah, yeah. But the thing was, it was all virtual because we couldn't yeah. get them yeah, together. Yeah. So you think, my God, what would they be like if they're yeah. in the room together? Oh, God, yeah. yeah get Cy Ferry involved as well. Oh, God, no, that's me. We've spoken to him, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, we have. We've had him down for a, yeah. a oh, life. Chris is just losing her glasses. I am, sorry. <laughs> my head's either shrunk or my glasses are widened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, on similar similar vein, um, I think well, I might be able to predict your favourite player, Chris, uh, all-time player. That's the question. Your favourite all-time Spurs player has to be Adrian Whitbread. Um, not everybody's um, cup of tea. Wasn't with us for that long, only uh, part of the season. Um, but the first time I met him, he was so nice. Um, we met him actually at Wickham. Um, he just signed, and it was uh, one of the games, and he was just so nice, and and that was it really. Um, always had time for us, and again, as Hannah and Sammy Parkin, um, I used to take my nephew with us, and he had to stand outside the players' entrance and get everybody's photograph and everybody's. Um, autographs and everything and he also had time and so I've become a bit of a stalker <laughs> in a nice way uh, so when he moved to Portsmouth that was where my um, links with Portsmouth come we got a um, season ticket down there dragged my sister with me um, but we always used to wait after the games for him to have a chat um, is that outside that uh, sort of multitude yeah, of building? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And he used to walk us back to the car and, and he was lovely. He was, um, he was a lovely bloke. So I still talk to him now. Um, he's been through a bit of a... Um, he had a bleed on the brain, which he got over, and he's now doing coaching. He's been abroad a lot as well. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, so that's my my story. Good stuff. And then he signed for Reading. <laughs> and then he signed... I went there yeah. a couple of times to see him as well, so... <laughs> I always remember one, um, it was a playoff, I think, and he wasn't playing, but he tried to get down to the dressing room and he must have been in one of the stands and he got lost. He was up in the hotels and everything <laughs> trying to get his way down to the dressing room. Um, he came running out, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know. So it was, uh, yeah, because yeah. we'd signed him on loan um, at the back end of, well, for the second half of 2000, 2001. I mean, we reached the playoffs that year, we finished third. Um, and we were given assurances by um, the Football League that if we got to the playoffs, his loan could be extended. And it got to the point where we reached the playoffs and we went to extend his loan and the Football League wouldn't ratify the extension to the loan, so he couldn't play in the playoffs. And so we had to play Aidy Williams, who'd spent eight, months of the nine, uh, eight, eight of the nine months um, out injured. Um, he played five games all season in sort of October, November time and then ended up playing all three games in the playoffs. So, yeah, cheers, Football League. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, 
So Hannah, why is it sand parking? <laughs> I actually have no idea where that stemmed from. I think it was just, he was a player you could always rely on for goals. You knew he was never short of confidence. He got 30-odd, didn't he, in 4-5 yes. when yeah. he got to the playoffs? Yes, yeah. He wasn't actually with us for that long either. Uh, it was only a couple of years. Yeah, you signed him from Chelsea, didn't you? They, they yeah. used him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, before he moved on. Um, but yeah, he was just someone you knew you could rely on him. He wasn't short on confidence. Um, and again, he was a fan favourite. Met him before every game. Had a, had a chat with him. I think... I can't think how old I must have been at the time. I must have been somewhere about around 10. Um, and he always made time to come and see me before the game because he knew I'd be there waiting. <laughs> um, but no, I think as well as Sam, I must give honourable mentions to Matt Ritchie and Jonathan Smith in more recent years. Um, I also probably can't count the amount of times I met both of them. Um, I've also got Matt Ritchie's boots at home. <laughs> which just which just how how many of these boots fit? I think Matt Ritchie's probably would actually. They're quite small. They are quite small. <laughs> but um, he's done all right for himself, hasn't he? He has. He has gone on to, to very good things with um, Newcastle. I did see him actually. Play. One of my friends is a Newcastle fan, um, so I went with him up St James's Park a few, a few years ago and saw him play up there for Newcastle. Did you try and meet him outside the players' entrance? Yeah. <laughs> Do you <remember> <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on. You might end up with, the, uh, with a similar answer, actually. Um, the favourite game you've attended rather than favourite away day. So the favourite away day is normally one that um, evokes individual memories, yeah. uh, whereas the favourite game is, is almost the best game that you've attended for whatever reason. Want me to go first? Yeah. Playoff final against Leicester. Yeah. Typical. It's uh, well, it was it was absolutely fantastic. You said earlier um, it was one of the best finals going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And three nil up. Three three. Yeah. What made it even nicer um, was my cousin is a Leicester season ticket holder. So he was sat in the opposite end of the ground, and we'd made a pact that whoever won. The loser had to ring the other person um, later on because it wouldn't be fair for the winner to ring them. It was uh, so, um, yeah, but even he said then it was a classic game. It's, it's one that will go down in history. I remember watching it on TV um, and you were 1 0 up at half time. I think Glenn Hoddle scored, didn't he? Uh, and within sort of 10 or 15 minutes of the second half, you'd gone 3 0 up. Um, I can't think who scored the second, but Craig Maskell certainly scored. Um, he got the penalty, didn't he? Um, and then within 10 minutes, Leicester had equalised. And then they hit the post, I think. They could have gone 4-3 up. It was the most... I think that's probably 20 minutes was the longest 20 minutes of my life. Yeah. Because you're celebrating, you're 3-1 up, you're celebrating, it's, you've won it, you're going home, you're, you're just looking at all the teams that you're going to play in uh, the Premier, and then to come back down again, and then think, we could lose this. <laughs> and then it's just, but it was amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. We did lose at the old Wembley, we were 2 <laughs> up, missed a penalty. In, and it could, would have been three 0 up at half time, and that would have been almost curtains for Bolton. Yeah, so, I'm rubbing my head and kind of shaking my head. Nobody can see what's going on, but my head is still in my, in my hands, just thinking about it. Playoffs, I, I don't have good memories of them. No. No. But I remember coming home on the coach, and 
we were coming down the M4 and you hit sort of probably Hungerford. Yeah. And every flyover, every bridge over the motorway had fans on them. Mm -hmm. And they were just celebrating with you as you come through. Yeah. And it was, oh, it was, yeah. That'll live in my memory was, forever. Yeah, so I can imagine it's one hell of a game to not just not just witness, but one hell of a game to win. Yeah. I'm still gutted. I've not actually seen a goal at Wembley yet. I've been three times, twice in the playoffs and once in the cup, and we haven't even scored, let alone one. They're not, they're not all that if you don't win. No. no. <laughs> no. To be fair, they are, actually. They are. Um, but, yeah. So my most memorable game... I think would be the Sheffield United playoff semi-final. And that was another nuts game, that wasn't was it? That was another This is the one at the county yeah. ground, yeah? Yeah. 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 This was the... This was, yeah. It was just absolutely unreal. And for a neutral, it would have been one of those games that's just completely end-to-end. -end. You're thinking, oh my goodness, where are all these goals coming from? <laughs> What's going to happen? What's going to happen next? So yeah. it was almost one of those games that managers had virtually no control over, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they can just sit there and just think, well, come, get on with it and... Yeah, so what, what was because you'd done the first leg, hadn't you? Up at Bramall Lane. Up at Bramall Lane, yeah. Um, what was the score? I think you won, didn't you? Uh, did we not draw up there? God, I'm useless. On, on I didn't go. I no, yeah. I couldn't make the away leg. I can't remember. Not, not, not a huge, but either way, in the second the second leg, it ended up something like five four to Swindon. What, what was the what was the actual one the day score? I can't even remember. No, <laughs> so there were so many goals. <laughs> was it five? Three? Five? Oh, no. I'm not actually sure now. <laughs> Either way, myself. it got to a yeah, point in the second half where every, every attack seemed to end in a goal, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it was crazy. It was just, I've never seen anything like it. And it was one of those games, it really could have gone either way right down to the, to the final whistle. It was just so end-to-end -end and so competitive. And it was very exciting, but at the same time you're thinking, oh my God, <laughs> please just blow the whistle, please just, yeah, we should, we should have buried this game and... <laughs> okay, uh, last question then. Um, favourite seasons? Um, I think I can probably go back to Lou Macari days um, when he was manager. So, again, I wouldn't like to say which season it was, but those days where it was... It was hard grind all the time. Um, you didn't have the, the lovely stadiums to go to. You had... It was hard work. You had the gritty players... Um, and I think that was what really got me into the football of what it was um, with how hard it was to play in those days you had the um, Brian Williamses who was they just used to take the chop your legs it was that kind of thing and then to see the progression to where we are now um, I think yeah I think that's what my favourite was because it got me into the football as it is today. Mm -hmm. Bit before my time, but there's a yeah, there's a 
Again, I mentioned it, I used the word earlier, evocativeness to, to football in the 80s and 70s and the 80s, isn't there? Still with the old stadium. Um, some of the less salubrious side of football uh, going on. The players as well, like I say, it was, it was a much more simple game then, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember we were, um, it was another playoff, well, they didn't call them playoffs in those days. Um, but it was at, um, we were playing Gillingham, and it was at Crystal Palace because they were sharing their ground, and we were rammed in because it was all sta uh, standing. There was no seating except for one stand. We were just crammed in, and I'm thinking, gosh, nowadays that wouldn't be allowed. It's not. But yeah, but that's the type of um, games that really got me into the um, the way it is. I've got two. <laughs> I've got two. Um, so I probably said the 2019-20 season, purely on the field, um, and our involvement with the players and the manager that year was second to none. Um, so yet again, a big thank you has to go to Richie Wellens. You, you could not have had a better manager in terms of engaging with the fans. Um, if anything we asked for in terms of could we speak to him, could we speak to a player, it, he never said no. He, he was always accommodating. Um, he always tried to rally the fans. He tried to. He always just tried to engage with people, with them, which is why people liked him. Um, and then my second has to be the Decanio season. <laughs> just. The entertainment. Pure, yeah, I think the entertainment <laughs> side of it. Obviously, we were we, we were playing good football. Um, it's just a, it's a shame that we couldn't go that final final distance to get promoted that year. But purely the entertainment that Paolo provided. Yeah, you spend more of the game watching him than you used to do the players. Yeah, and you I, would have seen him yeah. in <laughs> close quarters. Yeah, where I mentioned that we sit just behind the home dugout. <laughs> Obviously, within <laughs> within about ten feet of us, Paolo would be sat rather stood, jumping around on the on the touchline. It was very very rare that he'd actually be sat down, and if he was, he'd usually be banging on the side of the, the glass. I'm surprised that didn't break, to be honest. The amount of times that it got hit, but um, yeah, purely on entertainment, I think that has that season has to be up there. Yeah. Were you were you involved with the supporters trust then at all? Supporters Club. No. No, can say, uh, no. Did you, and did you manage to speak to him at all? No. And what's so, he like as a person? So, strangely, and nothing to do with the Supporters Trust or the Supporters Club, um, but I actually did work experience at the club that week mm -hmm. when I was still in school. Um, and it just happened to fall on the week that it was Paolo's first week with, at Swindon. So he was coming into the office greeting everyone. And I remember him and Fabrizio um, and some of the others that came with them. They just had a presence as soon as they walked into that room. Everyone fell silent and mm -hmm. there was just an immediate respect for these people. Um, they were they were very characteristic. Um, some big personalities there for sure. Um, we've, we've actually been in touch with Fabrizio more recently. He's been on our panel. Um, we speak to him now and again. Um, he's, I think he's out with um, AS Roma at the moment. Yeah. He coaches out there with, with their um, just, He's just won an award, isn't he? So he's just mm. won an Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were definitely uh, a memorable group. Yeah. 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 So, um, brilliant. Thank you so, so much, girls, uh, ladies, for joining me this evening. Um, if it's been a little bit noisy, it's because we've been um, 
recording in a pub. Uh, yeah, in, in Wombra, a, little, a lovely little village. A little, oh, it is a village, isn't it? It this, is a village, yes. Um, just outside of Swindon. Um, it's been a very quaint evening, hasn't it? it um, has. Hopefully you two have enjoyed yourself. Yes, I have. I didn't know what to expect, but um, yeah, it's just been like we're just having a chat between yeah. us. <laughs> and, and that's exactly the premise of the, of the podcast. But it's meant to be a very, very organic, uh, organic production. So glad you've enjoyed it. Um, just before um, I wrap this up, a couple of very quick things from me. Usual spiel. Um, follow Terrace Memoirs on Twitter at Terrace Memoirs. Uh, Facebook group of the, Facebook group of the same name. Um, anybody wants to correct any factual inaccuracies, or you want to come on the show, you want to refer somebody else to say that I can get, get in contact with, or etc. Absolutely anything. Ping me an email. Um, email address is terracememoirs at gmail .com. But all this leaves me to do is to thank you, ladies, once again, Chris and Hannah. Thank you and very this much. is Terrace Memoirs. Over and out.